All right, Unashamed Nation, we are breaking into the podcast here. Just a little update on the movie. Man, I want to thank you guys. It's been overwhelming. We knew that the blind was, would be an invitation for people to get to know Jesus, but I don't think we anticipated the the response that we've gotten. A ton of people are getting baptized in the Christ. People are, for the first time, um, talking with Jesus uh, in a movie theater, which is incredible. Phil, you baptized a few this weekend, didn't you? Yep, about the five or six, five, six, seven. That's awesome. So we're in our second week now. Uh, we just had an incredible second weekend, uh, thanks to you guys. Uh, by the way, we got a message from one of the theaters that they're opening up more showtimes, and here's why, because of the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. We have over 500 verified Rotten Tomato reviews for the blind uh, running about 99% uh, um, approval rating and, or whatever the however they, they calculate that, but it's a 99% out of a hundred. So thank you guys for, for leaving those reviews at Rotten Tomatoes. Again, we couldn't do this without y'all. So thank y'all for everything that you're doing. Um, right now we're only booked in most theaters through October, Thursday, the 12th. So keep telling your friends about it, your family, your church. Um, this may be the last week to see it, the blind in theaters. So get out there this last week and hopefully we can get another extended run. Thanks to you guys. Thank you. I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. Uh, I'm still down here at the Southern Lair. Zach's still doing movie business because it's the week of uh, release this week. And uh, Jace and Dad are still in the duck call room because uh, when we record, we record a couple of episodes. So you guys are still there. Uh, we had Simon Phillip on the last episode, which is always fun. Boy, <laughs> it, it was a bit exhausting. <laughs> Dad, Dad said, you know, he didn't know when the stories were going to ever end. I said, well, unless you stop side, they will never end. They just they, they keep going. He literally was, got up and when he left, he, he was talking out of he just went out of here and he was still <laughs> going on. It's it, microphones are optional. Well, look, Jace. When I when I came on for the first episode, because I'm zooming in, so when they plugged me in, you, you guys weren't there yet, and I couldn't see anything. There was a woman walking around, but I could just hear sigh. He's, I mean, he was, and he was at a about two octaves higher, just at a yelling pitch with somebody off camera, and I was just listening to it, and I thought, boy, sigh is on a roll today. And then finally, I texted Maddie, and I was like. Are we going to get this thing started? She said, well, size, as soon as we can get Cy wrapped up, <laughs> we're going to get everybody seated. So he just came in a mood. What can you say? Yeah, there was somebody. He was on somebody else's show. Uh, can't, it was like Buddy and Barbie or uh, something to that effect. Or Bootsy, yeah. I think. Buddy and Bootsy. And so he, you know, all Cy needs is an audience. Oh, yeah. So it was fun. So I didn't go teal hunting today. Yesterday, which we filmed some podcasts yesterday, we had a great hunt. And a pile of ducks on the table. Had a pile of ducks. And so what what had happened was, so today, because I have very few days off, I'm going to Colorado this weekend for an event. I would tell you, but by the time this airs, that will be gone. Yeah, it'll be over. So I'm not going to invite you. But... <laughs> Well, I'm seeing my buddy. You remember Trent Langhofer. So oh, yeah. I'll, for the next podcast, I'll tell you how that went. So we're having some kind of men's retreat, and he invited me. We we love their family. And so uh, I'm going to do that. So I was going to go till hunting this morning, but 
I was informed by my brother, your son, Phil, Jeff, that he had given away a hunt for charity. And so I was assuming a couple guys, so me and Phil would take them. And, but he's like, no, there's four of them and Jeff and you, Phil. So, and the blind only holds six. So I said to Jeff and Jay, they were standing there, but, but I didn't know Phil was listening. But I said, well, it's been a while since I got weeded out of a hunt on property that I own. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Jeff's world. <laughs> so then I left and I didn't realize. So then Phil gave Jeff a withering lesson on, hey, you don't want to be weeding out landowners uh, for whatever reason, you know. And you were kidding. I was kidding because, I, look, I'm trying to apply these passages. We're in Luke 14, That's so right. it's got to cost you something. So I thought, yeah. And so I don't know how the hunt went. Uh, Phil, you had them. It was Jep, and he had four guests. Four. Yeah, we had uh, Stone came to work with the decoys. Oh, so he, he took it. It cost him because he came yep. and got ready for the hunt but didn't actually hunt. That's right. Now, that's, a, that's an act of. That's a random. That's, that's paying it forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but he made he made got him a position down there. But it was a packed house. But yeah. they, were, they were good guys. But everybody lived. Yeah, good guys. Yeah, that's what you're really nervous about when Jeff you're... fed them supper. You know the the water steak. You run oh yeah, what is that called? Sous vide. You know, I've heard about this sous vide, and I you've ate, eaten it. You've eaten it. I've you just didn't it, know it. And I think it's good. But I think it's a little overrated. But yeah. now that's just me. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think it's quick. That's why they do it. Yeah. And it's tender. But well, at these restaurants, you know, when you got these huge restaurants, it's the only way they can do it and get your meal out quickly. And so they they keep it at the right temp. I was and then pretty they just, impressed with it. I yeah. was surprised. Yeah, it's good. I wasn't knocking it. I was just saying. If it's me, I, I don't know. You still kind of like it, just raw and cook it I like all a, the way through. I yeah. like a grill. I just, I'm a grill, man. I'm too far gone. So how did the hunt go? Yeah, did you kill anything? Yeah, four teal. It's, we we had about 10 woodies light in there and left. Ooh, left. I bet that was tricky. Yeah. So four. Did they all get up on the wood ducks, or were you like, no, no? No, they, they would just get up, and then there'd be some more come back, you know. But it's growing in woodies a little bit. Yeah, I was just saying. Did, yeah, you know, well, they want to shoot them. Did you what? have to say? Can't oh yeah, shoot them? I had to say nope, nope. <laughs> 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 Which you know is crazy about when you talk about laws and trying to keep them. I mean, you just think about this. There's a lot of ducks that are legal to shoot, but in teal season, you can only shoot teal. Yeah, and there are three different kinds of teal which we only have two kinds on our flyway, the green wing and the blue wing. And they obviously, one of them has a green wing, a little green patch, and the other has a blue patch. And they're basically not plumed out, so they just look kind of brown at this That's day. Right. But then you have young wood ducks who are not, I mean, they're pretty similar in the way yeah. the teal looks. So you have to be an expert. Uh, hunt them. Uh, You've had to have hunted them a lot. Yeah, so you just kind of know by the wing beat and just... That's what we always tell people, because a lot of people are like, how do you know the difference? But we, we've learned how they fly is how you really identify them yeah, when they don't, don't they have Woodies don't come by coming down, and you can hear the wind coming off their wings. Woodies don't do that. Exactly. No, but the teal, they do it. 
But it is a very, uh, on a spiritual application, you know, there's no grace in the federal regulations. You know, if they come <laughs> up there and you say, oh, I thought this wood duck was a teal, guess what that means? You're fixing to pay yeah. <laughs> big time. So, <laughs> but it just shows you that the nature of law and even why they have the old law, you finally conclude at some point, I'm just not good enough to keep this 100%. But we are good about duck identification. So, all right, so you had four teal come in. Four teal. And you got four rookies. Four and, rookies. And I don't know what Jep. I mean, I would say he's a Jep's a good shot. He's, I kinda, yeah, he's back, better than average. I kind of backed up and away, and they were sitting on the water. And oh, was, so I mean, it was just they they come it easy. Was, it was an eruption that come out of there. Yeah, so, but they did get two of them. So I thought, well, well they got two out of four. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's embarrassing. <laughs> you got five guns, four teal, and you get two. That's so. Did you really... embarrass them, or did you just say, "Good job, fellas, you got two? Yeah, I just said, well, we got two of them. Yeah. Well, all right. Way to be positive for the king. I think these were some of the contributors to Jep's charity. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm sure this was a big contribution to um, all God's children that they Jep They were works good guys. For. Good guys. Yeah. So that that was well done. Dad. That was that was exactly what our context of our Luke 14 is about. You were paying forward because this ultimately went to help kids and Ethiopia yep. and Colombia, that's what that was about this morning. You're, you're in a duck blind yep. with some guys, but you're actually helping some kids halfway around the world. That is correct. So that's that's not bad. So the the only negative is they're going to have a hard time getting full over those two teal, but <laughs> yeah. at least they can get a taste of it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or they may have some leftover sous vide steaks they could yeah. eat. <laughs> I think Martin and them are, are worked out a deal where they're going to hunt there. And uh, he's got he has more teal at yeah. his his place, so he pumped his up. But he's down there. He's hearing those shots below us. He knew those guys. Yeah, yeah. That that was them. I see. So, yeah. So they've the shooting sort of dried up there though. They said that they're, they're pretty well done. Well, the one thing I've noticed about old Martin through the years, Martin is uh, is very good at making sure he's going to be at some really good hot hole where there's a lot of ducks. Yeah, and, it fits he's, our story, Al. He's connected. He's well connected. He's, we, he's well connected, and even his story, which sometimes we need to have him tell his story on, on our podcast, because and I don't remember all the details, but he basically started working for Duck Commander and never got hired. He was kind of like Kramer on that Seinfeld episode. He was working at a place, but nobody had ever actually hired him. And so yeah. when they got ready to let him go, Kramer, he was like, well, I don't really work here. And they said, yeah, I know. That's what makes it so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People love you, you know? And so that's what Martin did. He just kind of hung around long enough to start getting a paycheck. And next thing you know, he's running the whole company. It is crazy. He started working here. Without getting paid, was just volunteer. Fast forward a few years, and he's running the place. Yeah. So there you go. You know, and he's running. He's running it well. He is because yeah. the man knows everybody in the outdoor industry. I mean, he really works hard to connect himself to other people. So you're right, Jason. In a, in a lot of ways, that's kind of the structure by which we were talking about these Pharisees and kind of how they networked to build their own base, you know, which is kind yeah. of... Yeah, I mean, their social order, and they were more family-oriented. That That's why when we get to the family in the end of this chapter, I mean, you, that's just what the first... That was 
that was first priority in your life. Moving up the, the social ladder and the economic ladder was dependent on how your family was viewed, the relationship you had, and what kind of parties you would throw to get connected. And so we read that in you know Luke 14 where, I mean, they basically had sent a, they were spying on Jesus to see if he would heal on the Sabbath, which is, it's one of those things if you step back a couple steps and realize, I mean, this person has the power to change this guy's life. You know, he healed this guy who was, you know, had this swelling and Jesus turned, turned it back around on him because he was like, well, wouldn't you get your ox or donkey out of a ditch? I mean, why not give this guy freedom and, and compassion? And I mean, you know, I'm healing. So they didn't have anything to say. And so then he gets into this about being humble and not trying to pursue places of honor at a worldly event, which was pretty much what it is. It was just your, your interests are selfish. Uh, you know, we were talking about that being connected, though. It made me think of, you know, our old pal Red Dog, W.E. Phillips. We've talked about him before. He used to be on our, our Duckman videos. He's in the strangest situation I've ever seen. We go up and hunt with some landowners in Arkansas where he lives, and he's hunted with them for years since he moved moved up there. And when you go up there, he's telling everybody where they're going to hunt, which hole we're going to hunt. And I was like, does he own any of this land? <laughs> and so I asked him, I was like, are you in with them? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you're in charge. I said, do you own any of this land? He's like, no, I don't own any of it. I was like, well, how did you get in a situation where here's these guys who own all this land and you're in charge of telling everybody who's going to hunt where? Talk about weeding people out <laughs> who own the land. <laughs> And he said, well, I, I just, I got connections, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I was like, what connections? How, how do you even pull that off? Have you noticed that? Oh yeah. He's dictating policy and he's just a guest. No, I tell you how he did it. He did it like Martin did it. He, he was with us early on. He, he, he built a reputation and a brand by being a part of the Duckman crew. So when he winds up in Arkansas, they're like, oh, look, there's, there's, Bill Phillips, there's W.E. from, for, he's one of those duck men. He's and an so expert. Then, yeah. He's they, an expert. And the next thing you know, he's in charge and dictating policy, which if you're going to hunt with a red dog, he's going to be in charge. You know how Bill is. He, he's yeah. he's, he's going to lay it out there, which is funny. Yeah, it's, it's, That's, it's pretty crazy. So one of the best things about um, Christianity and Jesus leaving his church here on earth to be able to be his body until he returns, is that you have accountability uh, with each other. One of my favorite passages is Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, with the idea that we look out for each other. And uh, one of our sponsors is a great group. I love these guys. They've been around for over 22 years, uh, helping men especially, but men and women. Uh, they're called Covenant Eyes, and their main goal is to help you um, with accountability, uh, especially when it comes to the internet, things you look at, it's good for your children, uh, to be able to protect them and what they see. Uh, Jesus said that the eyes are the window to the soul and the heart. And so the things you see 
make a big impact. Um, they've done some statistics. 90% of children ages 8 to 16 have viewed pornography online. Most of that was done while they were doing their homework. So you see it starts early. The evil one has uh, a terrible end to the, to the hearts and minds of our kids. So we want you to check these guys out. Uh, you get a free 30 days of Covenant Eyes uh, when you go to covenanteyes.com and you enter the promo code Phil to get started. So it's 30 free days of Covenant Eyes. It's, uh, you will love this product. It's very protective for you. It's accountability, which is biblical. CovenantEyes.com. Enter the code Phil and get started today. So yeah, that was that is part of the structure that was going on in Luke fourteen. But you notice, you notice it's about building a power base because they kept inviting Jesus into the settings because he was the he was the it factor that was going on in their that culture. That became more important than doing what's needed from Jesus Himself. From that's right. They they were. Their, their thrust was their own welfare. That's not, right. Not anybody else's. That's exactly right. And they were and they were trying to use Jesus to get to it. Because think yeah. about it. So who who invites somebody over for for dinner and then it's all a setup to to hope they mess up. I mean I, I just it's hard for me to even wrap my mind around doing that in a modern setting where I have somebody over and say, all right, now here's what we're going to do tonight. We're getting this guy in here, but we're wanting him to mess up. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to, we're going to feed him. We're going to let him talk. We're going to do all this stuff. But the whole idea was to try to trick him or trap him somehow. But I was just thinking like, who, who would do that? But, but these guys would do that. Well, and I think it, the key to understanding these, these parables and these stories because most people in modern religion today, they take these and then give five lessons on hospitality. But yeah. I think it's the wrong way to look at it. The backdrop was this is the old order of things under the old law. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's addressing the problem with putting your faith in the way the Jews were functioning under the old law. He's bringing a new kingdom that. He's the fulfillment of the law. There's going to be a new way to approach the living God, and it's going to be through him. And so when he's telling these stories, if you kind of look at that as the backdrop, you you understand why you shouldn't go in and try to have the places of honor That's right. at, at, a, at a banquet because this is fixed to be about humility, not your self-righteousness exaltation because none of us can keep the law well enough to warrant salvation. That's it. And so that's the picture he's trying to, to give them here. That's why I said, if you just read this, when it says, you know, in verse 12, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. I mean, you're like, wait, what? Is it wrong to do that? And I guarantee you there's some, they had it fixed up so because of their their mode of operandi was no uh, no no nothing for Jesus nothing for God. Well, exactly. Right. This is all your personal gain and yeah. your personal kingdom and your personal power. So he makes that transition about saying, "Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind," because these are. It kind of goes back to that Luke six. These are the type of people that have a heart 
that's more open to what Jesus offers because they're so humble and these know and it all so poor these yeah. know it alls had had no room for them yeah and it's a lot like you know what happened in Luke 13 when they're bringing up the injustices that happened and they're like why do why do bad things happen to people why do you know why do towers fall on people and you know his response is well you need to repent or you're going to perish and <laughs> you're like it's come, it's scratch. yeah wait <laughs> what and he, it's just a reminder that we're perishable, that we all make mistakes. We, we don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve forgiveness or God's holiness or love. And here's Jesus bringing that very thing, and he gives you hints of that because then he says, you know, in verse 14, which we really didn't talk about much, but he said, you'll be blessed if you, you know, invite the downtrodden because in that way you're doing something without an agenda you're doing it based on love and compassion and somebody else's interest instead of your own which is what we do as people in jesus being god's ambassadors you know second corinthians 5 it's though god is making his appeal through us and the famous verse that we always read that god made him who had no sin to be sin for so that we might become the righteousness of god well, that's how your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, because it's God's righteousness, not ours. And so then he brings this up. You'll, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And it's, it's a unique perspective to start, have a human in their world start telling you what's going to happen at the resurrection of the righteous, because yeah. the, the underlying point there is I'm from there i'm i'm an eternal being i'm not gonna even though i die i'm gonna live i know what's gonna happen and they're like well what, what are you saying there and their faith was not directed at him it, they went they went after their model their model that's right it, they went after the old way of doing things i mean you can make a lot of they couldn't find any room for jesus no they just couldn't wrap their head around it no nope. but i thought you know here's one claim that he made that post-resurrection is so encouraging for us. Because, you know, when I read this, I thought a lot of people struggle with what the resurrected life is going to be like. You know, and in this context, I think it was just in the parable about reward. But the reward is that you're with Jesus forever. I mean, everything else that's going to happen, and people often try to imagine, and we've had many podcasts in the past about, well, what exactly does that mean? But if you really just think about it, I mean, God's given us a body, and we have five senses. But what if the resurrected body, the imperishable body, let's say it has a thousand senses. I mean, the very fact that we can see and hear and, and touch and feel and think and all these things, well, where's the limit with that? I mean, we're talking about a created being. I mean, a, a God that created us like this. But when you start moving us to imperishable, I mean, Jesus still had a body. He ate some fish. He, he was identifying with something we can relate to. But he was doing things that our body can't do. You know, I always think about that First John 3, that we'll be like him. So we become like him spiritually in being humble being unselfish, but we're also going to be like him in the resurrection. We can't die. We're imperishable. 
who knows what we'll be able to do because our minds is, you know, we're trapped in this five sense body. And not only that, Jay, it's the, the human brain. Uh, researchers, by studying the human brain, have figured out that you only use about 12% of your brain. I mean, the rest of it is not even being used. And yeah. that's to do everything. we And we can do a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of really smart people. But what's going to happen when that 88% is turned loose in the resurrected body? I mean, you're, you're exactly right. I don't know what all we'll be capable of, but I know one thing, it'll be way more than we're doing right now. I want to be, yeah, be in that line. I want to check it out. I'm not going to miss that. They had, a click, they had a click going. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, that's what that what all of us is about. The, the people were didn't have the wherewithal to to have any effect on them. The, the although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid if you'll allow everybody to come into the clique you got at the resurrection of the righteous. So it's all going to come forth when this all ends. But you need to reach out to the poor and the downtrodden and the ones that don't have enough money to pay you anything. You just need to be kind to them and love them. But that's where they that's where they went wrong. And it really yeah. speaks a lot, Dad, to value of every person. That's right. You know, your life circumstances for a lot of different reasons. It may be something you did, it may be something done to you, it may be a lot of different reasons why you may be in a tough situation on this earth. But Ultimately, when you're thinking heavenly and you're thinking kingdom, it doesn't matter. I mean, the status of being a Christian, a son or daughter of the Almighty, or as Jesus said earlier, a daughter of Abraham, he's like, she's no less than you, synagogue ruler. I mean, that's what he said back in 13. That is correct. So he's, yeah. he, he, he adds the value. And so it's interesting, Jace, because in this text, so Jesus basically in this, he's at this dinner party that he's been invited to. It's on the Sabbath. He knew it was a trap. He, as we said in the last podcast, he reset the trap on them by forcing them to be quiet, which they did. But he basically gives them three rebukes here. Uh, one is about them being hypocrites, and then one is about them wanting the honor seats, and then one is about the motive of why they're having these gatherings to begin with. And then it's really interesting because when we get to verse 15 of Luke 14, it's like there's tension. Here's the way I imagine it. You know, you've been in a situation before where there's tension because something happens and everybody's like looking around at each other like, whoa, this thing just got went sideways. Because imagine how this dinner party is going with Jesus rebuking the host and the <laughs> leaders at every turn. So, so then we got this guy, I call him Talky Talkerton who's going to offer his way out of this tense situation. So here's what, but all it does is bring Jesus down even more on them. He says in verse 15, one of those at the table with him heard this, heard what? The triple rebuke. He said to Jesus, and I think this was his way of trying to, let, let's talk about something we can all agree on. Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And so that's his way out of this situation because he's like, well, yeah, we got all these you know, reasons we're here, but you know, we're all blessed because we're going to be eating in the kingdom of you know the kingdom feast. 
And of course, Jesus's whole point, which he's about to make when I read the rest of it, is you boys don't even you're on the outside of the feast. You still don't That's understand right. the purpose of what we're doing. But have you seen this before, Jace? Where somebody why tries I call to call it a click. I mean, they, they they had a click and they wouldn't reach out. None. So we're super excited because uh, one of our new sponsors, Jace, you know quite well uh, because they're one of your sponsors as well. Yes, Garrett Metal Detectors. I actually met them when I pulled up into their parking lot and knocked on the door. And I said, I'm fixed to do a treasure hunting show. I had done the research and I was like, made in the USA. I'm, they've been doing it 60 years. And so uh, really the relationship with those guys is what flourished. And I said, y'all been doing this 60 years. Let's get the best one after 60 years of trial run, and I'll put my name on it if you pull it off. So actually, Jace, there are three different Jace Robertson Signature Edition detectors, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. Uh, and it looks the same ones you guys use on the show, right? Same on ones, treasure. Yeah. So the proof is in the detector. So you said before, finding treasure is biblical. It's also fun. It's something you can do outside, oh, uh, which yeah. is great. So there's a lot of great things it's, about it. It's good, clean fun. So if you order one of these Jace Robertson detectors direct from Garrett, they're going to throw in three free accessories, a camo dig pouch for all your finds, a keeper's box to protect your best finds, and a real tree camo cap with Jace's signature on the bill. There you go. Man, that's a lot of free stuff. Dad, I may have to get me one of these. Uh, these Jace detector specials are available only at garrett.com store. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T dot com slash store. And uh, get your order in today. For the first time, he's really getting into this, this idea that your problem is not just rebellion of, of doing bad things, you know, breaking That's the right. law. He's actually getting into the other side, which is just as bad, which is this self exaltation because that's why he said whoever humbles himself will be exalted whoever exalts himself will be humbled where you can do good things because these pharisees look these are model citizens who are breaking very few laws with no godliness you can and they're a million miles away from god and so it it and, and look, even in our modern religion today, people are spending 98% of the sermons talking about the self-indulgent sins and not the self-exalting sins, which are good things. Yep. It's by doing good things that you think somehow you are God-like. Yeah. And so you really see that in Luke 15 when you get to the older brother, the two yep. sons. Because at the end of the day, it was the older brother who didn't make it. I mean, it doesn't, it kind of is a cliffhanger, three parables on why Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. But, you know, the prodigal son, he did come back. He came to his senses, but the older brother, when the story ended, he didn't have a relationship with the father and he was trying to use the father for his own personal gain. And he was hiding behind his own righteousness. Yeah. And so, and Jesus left that hanging on purpose, as you're exactly right. The way I put it, I had a little outline for this, what we just finished, was they their motives and their manipulation and their craftiness 
were forward in their thinking as opposed to their ministry, their mission, and their compassion. Because that's what Jesus, he came here with a specific purpose. These people he's sharing with were not thinking that way. They were still thinking in terms of how can I better put my position forward, which is not the well, way exactly. you want to be. And the practical illustration of this, which is very disturbing, but people do it all the time. There's a lot of people with a lot of money who give a lot of money and have zero relationship with God, but they'll give to something to show how good they are. Yep. They're like, and you see the same thing in ministries. You can have ministries and programs that are all focused on the ministry itself instead of this response to grace where you're trying to think of the kingdom in a humble way rather than saying, Oh, look at what we did. Yeah. So, and, and you're I doing know, it I know all some with people. good things, you know, I mean, now usually those things crash and burn at some point because pride and self exaltation, it only takes you so far. And Jesus's principle it's true. At some point, you're going to be humbled. Jesus is the one who has deserves being who he is, all the accolades that there are. <laughs> well, yeah, look, I know he's some the one people. That deserves them. I know some people that are wealthy. They don't. They're not Christians. They don't have kids, so they don't have anybody like to leave money to, and so they're huge LSU supporters, which is good. I mean. Colleges, I guess, need money as much as anybody else. But by their large donations, they get the best seats at all the events, you know, and it's it's a lot like this situation. And it's because of their generosity, which, you know, is a good thing. But what to Jesus' point, you can have all that. You can follow every LSU season of every sport. And at the end of the day, they're going to keep playing their sports and you're going to be gone. And And what do you have left? your name on a building maybe and if that's all you got then you know that that's not enough whenever the resurrection happens you know is the point yeah you can take any sin and you know from drunkenness to whatever you can find a way not to do it and then you feel good about yourself well that has nothing to do with jesus and the kingdom and what he's talking about here it's not a response to grace it can actually make you think that you're somebody now are there is it a better lifestyle on in the short term yes because you freed yourself from whatever was you know had you captive but jesus has taken this a lot further and he who exalts himself will be humbled you're still not going to be able to take away your sins you're still not going to be able to come back from the dead and and you're still not going to be humble where and open-minded to what you should be doing in your life. Yeah. And I mentioned Philippians two on the last podcast, which says when Jesus comes back, every knee will bow. And so ultimately, no matter what you accomplish in this life, it's not going to matter if you don't have a relationship with him, which is kind of the point of this, the banquet. Let me read the rest of this text. Uh, so this guy makes this comment, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And that's a true statement. That's not a bad statement. It's just, I think he's trying to break the tension is why he says it, but who knows? Jesus says to this, so he didn't even directly answer it. He gives another parable. He says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. So he's at a dinner party and he's now telling a parable about a setting similar 
At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. So people have accepted, they've RSVP'd, now they're coming. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, well, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, well, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way out to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another says, well, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out and go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So now he's used some of the same language he had just rebuked him with earlier. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads, the country lanes, and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So that's his response to all will be blessed who feast at the kingdom of God. So you got to think about this. He kind of gave an absurd parable showing the absurdity of turning down Jesus's invite. That's right. Because if you just really look at it carefully, these excuses, they were not practical because they look at each one, take each one on its own. He's like, well, I just bought a field and I must go see it. Well, it's not going anywhere. You know, I mean, is that really an excuse? And the second one, same thing. Well, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. You couldn't try them out tomorrow? Well, <laughs> so the other's like, well, I just got married. Well, bring her. <laughs> I mean, there's no there's no deep thoughts here. He, he's just saying whatever excuse you have for missing yeah. the kingdom of God, eternal feast and banquet with the creator of the universe it's absurd yeah it's a very a great... strange uh, story you know he, he he's not being authentic he, it, it, i think he's being sarcastic on purpose because none of these things are really that good of excuses yeah i think the word is facetious he he he's he's being so outlandish and using such hyperbole that they're all listening to him. They think, well, what idiot would do that? And they look at each other and think, well, we're the idiots because we're the bad guys exactly. in the store. Because when you had a party, they all come. If you got a free invite where somebody's paying for it, that's what you If you don't understand what they did back then, this really wouldn't make any sense. Nobody's right. turning down there. It's an all expense paid party. You can eat. It's all you can eat. And look, we've proven that in our world. You know, you went on the other side of the tracks here where the poor and and said, let's do a fish fry. They'll come. And boy, did they come. It, it was a totally free, all-you-can-eat, fresh fish. And people showed, out, showed up from everywhere possible. And that's what people would generally do. So he's actually showing that they're somehow rejecting this on frivolous excuses. Right. 
which it, which it, is the whole point. Yeah, it's it's right. all about possessions and your status, and he's going to get to your relationships next, which is the more tricky one because he uses such uh, outlandish dialogue when you know when when it moves into anyone that comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. So then he moves into the relationships. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And it's simply, you know, he's using another absurdity, kind of like he did in the last one, because you have the the Ten Commandments, you know, honor your father and mother. I mean, you know, he's not saying, oh, I have to have this hate to where I want ill will on my family or I can't do it. He's just simply saying you're prioritizing the relationship you have with me compared to everything else, just well, like the it, banquet. And think about this, Jason, how long, I mean, we're talking about thousands of years that this invite has gone out. I mean, we're talking about going across, you know, Jewish history and prophecy and pointing to the Messiah. And so this has been a long time coming, this kingdom banquet. And the idea that when it comes that you would have such frivolous, crazy reasons for rejecting Jesus. And in in the case of here, it's like, well, we don't we can't explain what he's doing, but he can't be of God because he's not from the right town. I mean, and they didn't even know what they were talking about. So it just it, it does seem crazy that they would miss the picture that was so vivid that was in front of them. Yeah. You would think, how how is this possible? Because they did. They denied their RSVP. They should have been the front line there. They rejected Jesus. Ultimately, they provided a pathway for him to be executed. What they didn't know was that he was giving himself for them and everyone else. And so that's what the excluded or who get who are the beneficiaries here, because all the people that have been on the outside of Judaism for thousands of years, he's like, come on in, come on in. There's room for everybody. Yeah. Well, I think that's why I moved on to the next story, you know, talking about the famous passage about your, your relationships and the cost of being his disciple. Cause we know the true meaning is it's whatever you build your foundation on, that everything is going to be affected. How you view money, how you view your status, your unselfish acts, your relationships. And I really think that's what's at, at the heart of this. Because when you think about, well, what is he saying? Well, he's not saying I, I literally have to hate. And then the only other response I could think of is some people would say, well, I already hate my parents, so I'm good. Well, that's not good. <laughs> you know, you, you have some kind of problem. So I think the message he's saying in both instances is when you're trying to fit Jesus in to your life or your relationships, that is the wrong view of what he's asking for. You're not going to take what he says and then try to fit it in. You know, I could come to the banquet, but I just bought some oxen. You know, we, let's do this later. Or, you know, in the relationship, it's like saying, I'm going to come to Jesus so that I can be a better husband. Which, look, I've said that when I've been speaking before, and it's taken me years to realize that's a dumb thing to say. It, you come to Jesus because of who he is. He proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. His life, 
his sacrifice, his humility, his character, his death on a cross, and all points in between, his love for all people. I mean, it, it's just one thing after another. You come to Jesus because he's Jesus. Well, what's interesting, Jay, is that Luke, when he, this next section we're about to look at, 25 through 35, it's not part of the same evening where he's been having these other discussions. Luke takes another time because it says large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, so he includes this next section where he does, I think to address what he's been talking about, about the kingdom. Cause the thing of the question then would become, if you were reading that other, you said, well, how do how do you get an invitation? How, what, what does it take to be invited into the kingdom? You know, how would I get to this feast that Jesus is talking about. So I think that's why he includes this. And that's why he still uses the same hyperbole and the same, you know, vigor to say, look, you've got to be all in on Jesus. And which is really what this context is about. Let's take our last break. No, I agree. I just think he inserted it because of that too. the same absurdity. You know, he was just like, this fits nicely because it really does. One is it about does. possessions. One is about, you know, relationships. And I mean, let's face it. He also said that he didn't come to bring peace earlier and, and families would be divided. But if your family member is telling you to deny Jesus, well, I, I wouldn't follow their advice and they may get mad at you or, you know, whatever the cost is. But we always say this. I don't see how you can even have relationships without Jesus as the basis. Yeah. I know it's happening, and I know people work out situations where they can live under you know, one roof and have an arrangement. But when you apply all the spiritual principles and the eternal nature of it, Jesus' way is better because yeah. it is the true foundation for grace and forgiveness and for purpose and for eternity. Yeah, I think you're right. And the word, I guess, of course, it's not in the, well, it is in the text, but it's in the little heading. The word, I think, is cost. Everything that we're going to read here is about cost. Let me read this section, and we'll talk about it the rest of our time here in overtime. Um, so you already read 26, but I'll read it again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And a lot of people have talked about that word hate and the Greek word behind it, meaning love less, which it's about prioritizing, but you know, we'll get into that. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And that's a really interesting phrase to say, because, you know, he hasn't been killed yet, but so the, the cross meaning at this point is not going to mean near as much as it does after he's done it himself. And then he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation is not able to finish it, everyone will see who sees it will ridicule him saying, well, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. And I've seen that happen many times before an unfinished house or property, right? Run out of money. Verse 31, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? 
If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. And then he kind of caps it with this. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, the cost of being a disciple. I mean, I think the reason this is so graphic is because unlike everything else in our world, Jesus has no hidden costs. You know, the worst thing you can do is go to a hotel and they say it's what, $79.99. Then you get the bill and it's like one hundred four twenty-five, And there's a list a mile long. $2 here, $3 here, 4 You know, they call those hidden co- cell phones same way. Everything yeah. you do, it's always way more. And, than and, what you agreed to. Yeah, they hide them on purpose, which is just infuriating. But here Jesus is laying out. He's pretty much covered your status, your possessions, and your relationships. And he's like, yeah. it's going to cost you. And so then, you know, he brings up the tower because everybody is building towards something in their life. Yep. You you look around, it's the reason everybody manicures their yard and tries to move up to a bigger neighborhood. And you're trying to build, you know, they invest. They they want, it's like, what is your portfolio worth? What, what are you building on? And then the same thing with awards, the same thing. You don't get involved in something where you're going to get, you know, get yourself handed to you. And I think that's what he's laying out here. These are the cost of being my disciple. And he phrases it so well when he says, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So when you think about that with your relationships, well, you know, carrying your cross, which is an interesting thing to say before he went to his cross. But you realize the implications of that. He wasn't saying you know, the equivalent, what we, it would be like you, Al, preaching a sermon and saying, okay, here's what you need to do to follow Jesus. You need to get yourself strapped in the electric chair and let them push the button. That's right. And it's just a thud. Everybody's looking around like, what did he just say? Carry your cross. I mean, that, that means you're under arrest. <laughs> you, right. You're, you don't have any way out. I mean, you're you're basically saying I'm under arrest, and in this case, it's for Jesus, and I'm carrying my cross, and I'm following Jesus. So it wasn't an instantaneous thing. He wasn't saying like, you know, kill yourself. You you have to be that. I'm a criminal. I'm condemned. I'm carrying. This is going to be a process. And, I'm and gonna, it's and, and it's a humili- it's a humiliating process, Jace. To to further your illustration, I would also have to carry my own fuses for them to electrify the electric chair because that's what they were doing with the cross. The reason they had the criminal carry his or the prisoner carry his own cross was to humiliate him. You're you're now dragging along the very instrument that's going to slowly suffocate you uh, as you die on it. And so that's the whole idea. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes to be in Jesus. This is one of the things that bothers me sometimes about uh, a lot of people trying to do a quick attempt to get people to embrace who Jesus is. And it's like, well, just you know, say this prayer and, and that's it. You know, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, it's so much more 
than that. Yeah. I mean, this it is a total commitment of who we are, and you're right. There's no hidden cost with Jesus. He lays it out. What's the cost? Everything. And the offer is so great, though, what Jesus is offering. You're looking at the cost, but you should be looking at it like the only way to save your family is through Jesus. I mean, he's offering something that we kind of hide behind anyway, thinking, well, I don't want to lose my family. Well, trust me, outside of Jesus, you're lost anyway. It's not going to end well for anybody. Tim Keller had a really good sermon on this Luke 14 and and a lot of the thoughts I'm giving I got from him. But he told a funny preacher story about this status and your possessions and parties and not having honor. And he's like, there was a rich guy uh, who owned a cattle farm and he he made a decision, you know, that he was going to give based on how many cows that he was going to get the next year or whatever. So he had a cow that was given, given birth and it turned out, they figured out that it had two calves. And so he was excited because he was thinking about all the money. And so he went and told his wife, he's like, look, I've made a commitment that I'm going to give one to the Lord. We're going to, we're going to take the money that we get off you know, one of the twin calves are going to be born. We're going to give that to the Lord. She's like, that's great. You got a great heart or whatever. Well, when the when it was time for the cows to be born, one of the twin calves died. And so when he came into the house, he said, well, honey, uh, I got some bad news. And she said, what's that? And she said, the Lord's calf died. <laughs> and the point was... <laughs> How did you know that was the Lord's calf? (laughs) But his point was, that's the way we want to do. We want to do some great gesture for giving until that happens. And then all of a sudden, well, we got to take care of ourselves first. And that's what Jesus is addressing. This is not some kind of barter system on where you're trying to fit Jesus into your life and you're going to give based on, you know, how your current lifestyle is going. He's like, bring it all, be willing to give up everything. That's why the other profound verse is in 33. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. You're either going to yep. trust what Jesus is offering or you're not. Yeah, you got to know the cost. All right, we're out of time. We'll uh, we'll flesh this out a little more. There's so much good stuff in there. So we'll we'll talk about it more in our overtime segment. If you want to join us, blazetv.com slash unashamed is where we'll be. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.